following is a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of MyTalk 1071. What is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Yes, she is here, the host of the Red Hot Real Estate Show and super real estate agent from Remax Results. Hello, Mimi. Good morning. Hello, hello, hello. And we have to go to the phones, and I'm sorry that everybody can't see this. We have to give a hearty ho, ho, ho and holiday cheer to our friend Phil Olson from Cross Country Mortgage. Hello, Phil. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. <laughs> For everybody out there, Mimi, you need to do some screenshots of do that. I, well, I will. Because <laughs> Phil is wearing his most festive Santa hat today. Phil, give us a good smile. Screenshot you right now. Cheese with Phil. Okay, I'm, uh, we'll make sure we put that on the Red Hot Real Estate Show page, everybody. Uh, and so, Phil, not only are you feeling incredibly festive, we're going to give some great information today. Uh, first, before I get to this next thing, give your NMLS number out, please, before I forget. All right, NMLS 238103, company NMLS 3029, Cross Country Mortgage. Now, 2020 has been a complicated year for many of us here, and we are very excited about moving into 2021. And to help us with that, we would very much like to leave 2020 with a bang and move into 2021 with some really good news. And part of that is throughout the year, Phil Olson has been kind enough to say that he is going to give a $25 donation to the American Cancer Society for every call we get here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. And now I want to let everybody who's listening right now know we are only six calls away from them, the meaning Phil and Mimi, being able to drop a $5,000 check off to the American Cancer Society in 2021. So we hope that today is the day. If you just had something on your mind, Call us. Let us know. We have all kinds of information here. We have two of the most knowledgeable resources of anything going on here in the housing and mortgage and finance industry here in the Twin Cities. And if you just want to call and say happy holidays, today's the day. Let's just get that 25 bucks out of Phil so we can give it to the American Cancer Society. <laughs> you got to fill that. Let's cap do up. it. Right. Let's do it. So that number is 651-641-1071. OK, well, last week we didn't even make a dent in talking about the mistakes that people can make to screw up their deal. Right. Um, and so I'm telling you, Phil, there's lots of coal that people... Mm. I'm going to laugh every time we do that. It's going to be a long day <laughs> I, for you. I don't, I don't want to be a bad Santa. Right, right. <laughs> a bad Santa. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes. I'm just going to stop right there. It's going to be a good day. Yeah. But, I mean, I think it's very true that there are lots of things that you go, and some of them are actually counterintuitive, where you think that you're helping yourself along, you're making a wise <laughs> choice, and then it'll actually make it so that you can't close on your house. Okay. So Phil and I were talking about there's just lots of stories. So mm -hmm. I'm going to give you I'm going to start off with the story that just popped back into my head. I just met yesterday with one of our listeners and one of our past clients, and they were telling me a story uh, about their experience with a big box loan officer. And that loan officer, um, basically what happened 
was that they got all the way through and the appraisal was ordered and they were very upset when the appraisal didn't come back with good news. They were 20000 apart. So they were upset with the loan officer because the loan officer told them there was nothing that he or she could do for them. Okay. And that was very upsetting. So they decided to work with another company. I don't know who. Mm-hmm. And that particular company ordered a new appraisal and got value. So <clears throat> this is not the first time that I've seen that happen. So when you get a bad appraisal, mm-hmm. you just don't let it stop there. Okay. There are things that, that can be done. Phil? Believe it or not, this year alone, I've had, I think I've had four appraisals come in low. Okay. And of the four appraisals, I did rebuttals based on my analysis of the appraisal report, talking with the agent, looking at comparables. I found additional comparables. Out of the four appraisals that came in low, I actually did rebuttals with the appraisal management firm, and I won. Now, guess what? That doesn't happen often, folks, but that's where you having an experienced team behind you to help you get across the finish line is where, you know, that's where really Mimi and I, you know, shine. I don't like. Uh, We're bringing you full service. I don't like no. Okay. In my personal life. I I don't like to be told, no, you can't do that. I'd really rather have a, well, let's figure it out. Well, what kind of information do they need when you're going through that rebuttal process? Well, first of all, let's start with the fact that it should have never happened. Okay. Right? Unless it was a super unusual property that was difficult to comp. Because you should have, the real estate agent, I'm just going to say, when we are looking at properties, clients want to write offers on properties, we're running a market analysis to show them what has sold around the house within a mile radius within the last six months. That is what an appraiser appraiser will do. And so just the fact that, you know, that maybe wasn't done. Okay. That's that's not okay because then you've spent all that time. You spent the money on the appraisal. Yes. You've probably spent the money on the home inspection. And so then you just got a big lump of coal in your lap. Right. <laughs> Phil? <laughs> how about how about how about the situation where the uh, real estate agent contacts Phil Olson and they say, Phil, there's really no comps for this. I think the house value is thirty thousand dollars. I mean it's thirty thousand dollars less. But guess what? We'll deal with it when we get the report. I've gotten those situations before. And guess what? Then the appraisal comes in low. Now, if the expectation with the buyer is, hey, hold one here, we're going to be offering over list price, and there's really no comparables, I guess my question is, Mimi, what's the game plan? What's the game plan? Are you guys going to put me in a box here to where I can't help the client. Well, be more specific with your question, sir. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I've had situations where, where the, the offer is well over list price, but there's no comparable. So how am I going to fight that? And what is, what is the feedback to the, to the buyer? Hold one here. We're going over list price. We really don't have comparables. Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, are you willing to, you know, come with additional funds to the table, or are you willing to then tell 
the sellers, hey, the house is not worth what it's worth. You need to drop the price. Or are we just going into this transaction blind with the understanding, uh uh-oh, we're probably going to get an appraisal that comes in low. Now what do we do? Well, I do think that there are some people that think that you can just play play games with that right. and you know assume that the seller is going to drop their price to match what the appraised value is but there's no guaranteeing that at all okay um so you either put it in the purchase agreement which makes the purchase agreement not look as attractive to the seller especially when almost every single offer is multiple offers do you mean put in the purchase agreement that if it doesn't appraise they have to drop it correct okay yeah mm-hmm. or put it in there that the price gets renegotiated okay um, but still Miss Shannon, they're still spent money already. So the the buyer already has skin in the game. They've spent money on the appraisal. They've spent money on the home inspection. Right. All on a whisper and a prayer. And so that is just not what we want to do. That's not setting you up for success. Right. If you don't have the reserves to make up the difference, then we have to have a a conversation about that. Right. Right. And and, And I know from experience that was a conversation going, nope, it needs to appraise at this. Here's what we're expecting. Yes. Okay. 100%. Phil, we got one minute. All right. So to to kind of take this to another level, what happens when we look at the home and we know it's not going to appraise based on the condition of the property, but yet the buyers want to buy the property and the sellers want to sell the property? Right. All great questions, Phil. Mm-hmm. We can address that when we come back from our first break. All right, we can do that. We can go ahead and you have any questions. Remember, we need six people to call in today. So if you get to that $5,000 donation to the American Cancer Society, you can call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071, streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I'm Miss Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group. Also with us from Cross Country Mortgage, Mr. Phil Olson, reminding you you can be part of the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Today is a fantastic, fantastic day for you to call, even if you just want to tell uh, happy holidays to Phil and Mimi. Call us at 651-641-1071. Get those final donations made to the American Cancer Society. Okay, Phil. So before the break, we you had one more question about what we were talking about. That, that question we were kind of talking about appraisals is what happens when the house uh, will not pass a federal government appraisal inspection due to cure items on it, such as like maybe a bad septic system or the roof is bad or we've got peeling paint or we've got broken windows or we have a furnace that doesn't work. I mean, I can go on and on and on of the things that I've seen people wanting to buy. Correct. And mm-hmm. so we always talk about those things, about what what would possibly mess up your deal and cause you to have all kinds of problems. And right. so peeling paint is so obvious, and it's unfortunate for us that we're in a climate where you can only paint so many months out of the year. Right. And I know that that feels like, well, this is a little thing I'll take care of later. But and it just doesn't work that way. Correct. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even worse is a septic okay. um, in the middle of winter. <laughs> so, yep. so, you know, you have to. So, Phil, I know back I had one septic that failed in the winter one time and we escrowed for that. But that has been many years ago. What's the status of how you handle that now? You can still escrow for a septic as long as you can get a report that it's still compliant meaning it still works, it may not be up to code, 
And basically what ends up happening there is we end up having to get two bids. We end up having to use the higher of the two bids. We have to hold back one and a half times seller proceeds or even buyer proceeds. And then once the new septic system goes in, in spring, then whatever is left over out of the escrow holdback goes back either to the seller or the buyer. But yes, those things can be done. But the key is if the septic system is not compliant and it's leaching uh, bacteria into the well system and it's making the well system bad to where you don't want to be drinking that water, folks. You really okay. don't. Yeah. Um, then, then an escrow holdback may not be applicable. Well, not only that, but if you think about like all the things that could go wrong, really wrong, mm-hmm. if you haven't had that discussion with your seller and their net proceeds are tight, having that expense Correct. of putting in a new septic, which is typically fifteen to twenty thousand dollars, could be more. Um, that could actually throw them into a short sale type of situation. Okay. And Mm -hmm. nobody wants to have that coal show up in the Christmas time. Yeah. So you have to talk about stuff, folks. Um, You know, is it the kind of scenario that often people don't bring it up or they think we'll just deal with it later? Or why are you saying that, you know, how do these things get avoided and end up messing up the deal? Well, you know, there's so many moving parts and pieces in a transaction that maybe it didn't occur to somebody to talk about how old the septic was. Okay. Maybe they, they bought the house and they've never looked at that and it never crossed their mind right. because it's always just work for them. Mm-hmm. And they've never tested it. They've never you know thought about that. Right. So you want to talk about all the big, big moving mechanical pieces that go with your house, your roof, your furnace your water heater, your appliances, your siding, all of those things make up value in a house. Um, You know, let's talk, Phil, a little bit about uh, employment snafus. Yep. I see them all the time, all the time. So first of all, let's talk about um, 1099s and self-employed people, especially now during COVID. What are you seeing people do that are right and wrong? Well, how about the W-2 wage earner that's making $100,000 a year, and then the employer says, but you want to know something, Jim? You'd be, we'd be able to pay you $160,000 a year if you're a 1099 employee. Now, Jim looks at that and goes, holy cow, my income's going to go up $60,000. And as he's talking with Mary about buying their new house, they call me. And they've been in this 1099 employment situation now for three months. And they, they go, Phil, things have changed. My income's gone up. And I go, great. Tell me what's going on. Well, guess what? We, I'm now a 1099 employee. And uh-oh, we have coal in the stocking. We really is nobody enjoying this as much as me i'm just gonna say that just makes me want to laugh i don't know why that's funny i don't care who you are why 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 is that cold i don't know you've just you've just gone from a salaried position w2 and you've now put yourself in a self-employment situation and the rules automatically change. Now that you're self-employed, you have to have a two-year history 
and two years tax returns to prove self-employment income. And I'm sorry, Mary and Jim probably are not qualifying now for that house, even though they would have qualified on their, under their previous income. That's very unfortunate. Uh, and see, it is counter, it, counterintuitive, right? right? Exactly. Because mm-hmm. it's like Mary, Jim just got 60,000 raise, really. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to work that way for the financing. Right. That really is unfortunate. Okay. Um, here's one that I know we talked about last week because it was my story. But you would think by taking on a second job that that would be good stuff. Exactly. Right? You're just rolling in it now. You're going to make more money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a good thing. Phil, you want to chime in on that? Um, yeah, because there's multiple programs out there, specifically first-time homebuyer programs, down payment assistance that are all based off of an income-based uh, program, and it's based on family income sometimes. So taking on these additional jobs, even though when people take on additional jobs, you cannot use the income for qualifying purposes. It could be used. It could be used for continued bigger down payment. Okay. But you can't use it unless you show a two-year history of it. But guess what? You make more money. You may end up finding out that the program you were set up on no longer works. And that happened with somebody that I know personally. Um, that is not a good day or a good phone call to have to take or make. Right. Um, so you want to definitely be very, be very aware when you are starting to look at property all throughout the whole transaction of what may seem like just a, a casual thing, like you're going to get 25% extra off at Kohl's if you, you know, get a gift card. Right. Uh, just off the whole $1,000 that you're spending for Christmas, that sounds like a good savings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that might be a problem for you down the road because it'll change your debt-to-income ratio, Phil. Correct. And debt-to-income ratio issues not only pose a, a specific problem when uh, qualifying for a specific mortgage product, but it could also jeopardize the mortgage insurance if you're only putting 5, 10, 15% down because mortgage insurance is also based on debt to income ratios. So let me give you another example. Another example is the client is making $22 an hour, full-time employment, 40 hours a week. And all of a sudden the boss says, hey, due to COVID, we have to reduce your income to $15 an hour. Okay. Now, could be a big problem. Now, the first thing that that client should be doing, they say, should be calling me and saying, Phil, hey, something has changed with my employment. How does that affect my loan? Well, under a COVID environment, as long as we can prove that the income is still stable at the lower amount, and as long as we receive two paycheck stubs with that lower employment, we can still move ahead as long as they qualify at the higher debt-to-income ratio. Because keep in mind, as income goes down, debt-to-income ratios go up. And you need to have that at a certain parameter for each program. Each of them are different. Correct. So guess what? If I was at 42% debt-to-income ratios and my loan was approved either through Fannie, Freddie, or Ginny, and next thing you know, my debt-to-income ratios go to 54%, ooh, now we've got a problem. No longer going to qualify conventional. No longer going to qualify for mortgage insurance either. So what would you suggest to somebody that found themselves in that particular situation? 
in that type of situation is sometimes that's where I really start thinking outside of the box, maybe. And I might be looking for what's called a non-occupant co-signer. I might be looking at, okay, we've got debts. Do we need to maybe pay off some debts? Instead of putting the 20% down, maybe we're only going to put 10% down, pay off debts to bring the debt-to-income ratios back into order. But that's where I'm putting on my kind of my Santa hat, preventing coal from going in the stocking, all right, and see if I can pull one, pull one out of the hat. Okay. Well, you know, that's the good news about Phil and his puzzle-solving skills. Um, I think when we come back from this next section, Phil, let's talk about just good common sense that's getting people in trouble when they make those mistakes during the loan process. Sure. And we're also going to take your calls. You can be part of the Red Hot Real Estate Show. The number is 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Stage show here on My Talk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I'm Miss Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group. Also with us from Cross Country Mortgage, Mr. Phil Olson, encouraging you to be part of the show. Call us at 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. Reminding you that all of our callers today also will help uh, generate some funds for the American Cancer Society. Just by calling in, Phil's going to donate another $25 to that giant check he's hoping to do, uh, donate to them by the end of the year 100 percent. so phil we were talking during the break that you had a really good oops story <laughs> that's fabulous yes i do so, what is it i'm working with a client and i'm working on a refinance and the client calls me all excited the client receives a raise from the employer while he's in the process of a refinance. The employer reduces the salary of the client by 30%, but offers a generous commission income that might double the yearly income and also offers a small year-end bonus. So here's where the coal goes in the stock. So this is a math problem. Right. There's He's, a lot going on right Michelle, now. Are you a seeing this, on, yes. this math word problem right. that we're ready to solve? Okay, so yeah. I heard bonus. That sounds good. <laughs> I heard, okay, so, so, commission. I get yep. that's complicated, but it sounded like an increase. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, what, so how is this a problem? Income, the cl- the client's income is reduced by 30%, and that's now the new income we have to use. Okay. Their debt-to-income debt ratios go over 45%. Their loan is no longer approved. The commission income and the bonus income cannot be used for two years until it's considered stable income. Gotcha. And unfortunately, the client was going to save $400 a month and on their new refinance and the loan is dead and now we have to wait until two years until their income comes back okay wow. let's 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 solve this problem right here me and you miss shannon <laughs> um 
So I'm thinking to myself, you got to get the debt to income ratios to be different and vastly improved. Right. So Correct. could they have pulled money from their 401k to change that? No, because they had no debt. The only debt they have is the mortgage. Oh, Shoot. Okay. okay. Next question. Could they have called grandma and said, grandma, give me some extra money? Would that have changed it? They could. They could put, they could put, in order for them to get their debt to income ratio down, Mm -hmm. they need to bring to the table $35,000, which they don't have. Okay. And I already explored with them if we could bring on a non-occupant cosigner. Okay. And they said no. Nobody loves them enough to cosign for them. (laughs) Oh, man. It's not that they love them. They just might not. not they must might be in the best financial ability. <laughs> exactly. They might have the best financial. <laughs> I've been joke. like, That's I get what joke. you're saying. I'm just saying that sometimes you're at that point in your life that you are the other person's co-signer. <laughs> right. Oh, man. I've been in that position where yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. I am the co-signer. Shoot, like, I can't happen. now. Exactly. <laughs> when did that like, role change? Right. Exactly. Uh, so nothing could be due. So here's they just a situation, guys, where, where the client's calling you. They're happy. They think this is good. Right. I'm going to get more money and a bonus and all this other stuff. Man, that's tough. Okay. Well, let's move on and talk about things that folks do that would normally can be considered common sense, but isn't. Um, So let's just talk about the number one thing that could cause your loan to go belly up. And that is, may I hear a drum roll, please? Pay all your bills on time. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that not common sense, Phil? Uh, I don't know. And, <laughs> and, and people, sometimes they don't think of as rent as a bill. And sometimes some mortgage programs require verification of rent. And if you're delinquent by more than 30 or 60 days on your rent, that could be a big, big no-no. So when, when I talk with clients, I try to tell them up front, specifically on a purchase transaction, here are all the do's and don'ts. Perfect. Okay. And we do appreciate everyone who is part of the Red Hot Real Estate Show. You can call us at 651-641-1071. So we'll go to the phones now. Sarah, thank you very much for calling the show. What's your question for Phil and Mimi, please? Yeah. Um, currently, our house, we own, we finished the mortgage on it. Bravo. Thinking- yay. Thank you. Um, And we're thinking for our next house, when we go to buy our next house, we probably upscale. And since we have three kids, we would like to just get the loan for the next house, purchase that, then sell this one afterwards. Does the value of our house currently help us with the loan value that we could get for the new place? It it does have a factor in that. Phil, let's talk about the buy first, sell second program. Basically, what we could do is we can borrow funds with temporary financing against the house that's free and clear. Use those funds as our down payment towards the other property. And then when that other property sells, we can also do it is what's called a recast and a reamortization to bring basically a buffet style type of mortgage to the client on the new primary residence 
that they're living in. Uh, it just really comes down to structuring the loan. What is the consumer trying to do? And then I'll basically present that specific client with buffet-style mortgage financing that's going to meet their short-term and long-term needs. And Sarah, also, too, if you are a buyer that is coming to the table with cash, cash is always king. Um, You have a lot of leverage when you have cash, and you also have the opportunity to choose not to do an appraisal. So that makes your Mm -hmm. offer look very attractive to a potential seller. Is it? Is it in the best interest of the buyer to not do an appraisal? I suppose that's different than an inspection. Correct. But if you're, um, if you're uh, buying a house, go ahead, Mimi. your agent would have done comps for you. So you, the real estate agent will run what's called a comparative market analysis to show you what has sold around the house uh, within a certain mm-hmm. radius and within a certain uh, amount of time. Typically, that's about a one-mile radius and a six-month window of time. Phil? I would tell you if if the property is in the Twin Cities here, it's mm-hmm. in a big development, you've got lots of, of comparables. Uh, you not doing an appraisal is not that risky in that okay. type of situation. Therefore, if you decide to buy something that's a unique property, and you're buying it in rural Minnesota or on a lake or or something like that, uh, sometimes, mm-hmm. even though you don't need to do an appraisal, sometimes it's better that you do. Spend the money to ensure that the asset that you're acquiring meets the value that you're purchasing it for. Okay. Thank you. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks and for the well, you're very welcome, Sarah. We'll make sure we follow up with you. And congratulations on paying off your home, and happy holidays, Sarah. So that was a great question. Um, I particularly like the point of uh, a unique property and how important it is to be able to, to feel good that what you're paying for something is also having appraised value. So I agree that that's a, a good instance. However, like what Phil said, if there's a, a dozen or more homes that are similar to what you're buying, you may find that that's a good savings just looking after the comparative market analysis. So, Phil, let's jump back into uh, common sense mistakes that folks are making. Um, let's talk about the, the cash in the bank accounts. Exactly. Okay, so I meet with a client. They fill out a loan application. They're buying a house. They're telling me that they're bringing $100,000 to the table, and the $100,000 is coming from a 401k, all right? Now, that's the way the loan is set up. Now, a week prior to the loan closing, they go, well, we decided not to take the money out of the 401k. Our aunt gave us 50000 We decided to liquidate a stock fund for 30000 and oh, by the way, we had $20,000 in a tin can <laughs> buried in the backyard for the total of 100000 Right. Now, Mimi, you've been in the business a long time. I've thrown three different types of assets. What kind of, what kind of uh, situation do we now have? Uh, we have a oops <laughs> and a big lump of coal. <laughs> But I, I'm just, just saying that has never happened to me. The tin can in my professional career, I 
as much as I know that would bother you, Phil, that would bring me great joy. <laughs> like, you had this much money. Yeah. I'm like, I would prefer they had it in a mattress. Um, then I got it. It's called they, a, a mutual fund. Exactly. That's, and I, yeah. uh, but you, I think you do hear that where it's like, no, I had this, you know, what I hear it is like, I had it in a safe or yeah. I had it sitting around or my, you know, my grandpa had it in a safe. And so it just showed up. Yeah. Yeah. Gifts mm-hmm. are a thing. Mm-hmm. They are a real issue. It gifts. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't love to get gifts? Mm-hmm. Phil's been talking about giving everybody gifts. So why is that a problem when grandma brings the can? Exactly. Because grandma, now we have to source and season those funds from grandma. Okay. And you can't source and season cash. Okay. And what happens when grandma says, well, I don't want you to see my bank statement either. Oh, believe me, I've seen this. And guess what? If you're bringing a hundred grand or you're bringing five grand to the table, you don't want to change how that, that money is coming to the table. Right. If you told the loan officer in the loan application, this is where your down payment funds are. Here's where your closing costs are com- coming from. If you're going to change that, that's a conversation you really have to have. And you're better off doing it sooner rather than later because there's normally regulations tied to it. Well, there's so many things that we can spin off of that. When we come back from the break, let's talk a little bit about source and seasoning and why that's important. We'll also take your calls. The number is 651-641-1071. We'll be right back with the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Everywhere you go. Welcome back Take to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. Always reminding you that you can be part of the show. Call us at 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. We're just five calls away from Phil being able to give the American Cancer Society a great big $5,000 check for all of, on behalf of all of our callers that have called in in 2020. Awesome. Yeah, too close. Only mm-hmm. one more one more session. Great. Mm-hmm. Give us a call. Okay, Phil, so we ended the last session talking about sourcing and seasoning. First of all, let's tell folks that might not be familiar with what that term actually means and then why it's important for you as a a loan officer to make sure that that it's done right. All right, let's sourcing first. Where did the money come from? Meaning, did it where did it come from some form of financial institution 401k stocks bonds annuities trust whatever it happens to be we have to prove where the money came from all right seasoning how long have you had this money and the reason seasoning laws are in place is to determine that you did not the consumer acquire a new liability for that money so in other words, you took out an installment debt for 35000 deposited in your bank account, and now you're saying, well, hold one here, that's my money. Sure it is. But there's specific seasoning rules, and normally they're 30 or 60 days. Specifically, let's say grandma gave you $150, and you want to use that for part of your down payment, and you got that as a Christmas gift. Well, now that becomes a gift. Now we have seasoning rules. Now we have to determine where the money came from from grandma and did it come out of a verifiable bank 
uh, banking account. People might ask, well, why do we have to do that? It's called the Dodd-Frank bill, anti-money laundering bill, anti-terrorism bill. These are all specific bills that have been passed that we as financial institutions have to abide by in order for a consumer to get a home loan. Awesome. Well, I'm just going to give a shout out to our good friend Heidi in St. Paul. She just sent me a text. So you're welcome and Merry Christmas. And give us a call so we can raise some more money. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Definitely. 651-641-1071. Yeah. Okay, Phil. So let's go to um, credit. Let's just say I get this question a lot. I get people that are very nervous about having a second mortgage person look at their financial situation to get pre-approved. Um, so mm-hmm. they're always worried that it's going to make their credit go down. Can you speak to that? That is a fallacy. If a consumer has their credit pulled multiple, multiple times in a 30, 60 day period, they can end up having what's called a hawk alert come down on their credit. Okay. And it could cause their credit scores to go down anywhere between 20 to 60 points. If the consumer has, say, a 745 credit score under federal law, the consumer has the right to shop for a mortgage. Okay. And because when a credit report is pulled, all mortgage companies have the same couple digits in the account number that recognizes them as a mortgage company, a consumer has the right to shop for two or three mortgages, and it will not affect their credit score. And most people think of what's called a hard pull. Right. Okay, so, Phil, we've got somebody that's uh, given us a jingle here. We're going to raise some more money for the American Cancer Society. Awesome. Coming in at the wire. Right. That number is (laughs) 651-641-1071. Judy, thanks for calling and being part of the Red Hot Real Estate Show. What's your question today? Here's my question. We have um, a property to sell. It's a condo. And we have a buyer, but we don't have a price. And we did have an appraisal, but we don't have the results yet. But we expect it to be between five and $600,000. It's mortgage-free. How do we proceed? Is it unfair to us, or will we maybe lose potential money if we don't actually put it on the market, per se, since we have a, a valid pre-approved buyer? That is just a fabulous question, and I actually had... A scenario back in the summer that was very similar to this so there's a lot of lake properties that have these types of transactions where somebody will approach you and say I'll pay you the appraised value if you'll sell it to me and then that seller agrees to that they get the appraisal it comes back at a certain price what you don't have is you don't have fair market competition you haven't put it on the market and you haven't Uh, allowed other people to look at it, to bid for it, and so that takes away the competition. Phil? Real quickly, I've seen this happen multiple times, so has Mimi, but understand when appraisers appraise a home, they're going to appraise it based on the purchase price in the purchase contract. They are very afraid of appraising it for higher, even though the value might be higher. The value could be $30,000 higher 
But why is that appraiser going to put his neck out on the line and appraise it for $30,000 over the purchase price? They very rarely will do that. So in that situation, you could literally be leaving 30000 or even more off on the table. Does that make sense, Judy? It does, although we don't, we, ha- we have not talked about a purchase price yet. And that is exactly what happened. They approached us and <clears throat> said, we hear you might be selling. And we, you know, and we, we, we sort of instantly became friends because they've been looking and we've been thinking of selling and it's just like a perfect match. But um, it's a little tricky knowing how to proceed. You know, right. we had it appraised. We thought that we had to do that. But history with us has been appraisals are not off we don't think are always at worth of the property so i would suggest to judy to have a real estate professional do a, a comparative market analysis for you and maybe they'll match up and maybe they won't you know so maybe you maybe you are selling it at a, and getting a great deal from this potential buyer maybe they're giving you everything you say you want or maybe they're they're very savvy and they want to get you know get a good deal so if you'd like to talk about this a little further we're coming up to the end of the show um we can uh, give you a call during the week okay all right would be good thank you thanks judy we'll make sure that hope gets your information we do have another caller on hold right now i want to make sure we get them in before the end of the show so carol thank you very much for calling the red hot real estate show what's your question for phil and mimi are you talking to me yes please go ahead carol uh, we're looking at a house that's, uh, it's not on the market yet. They're friends of ours and they're going to put it up for sale for $180,000. We want to put $20,000 down on it. So I'm wondering how much my payments would be for that. And then in six months, I would like to have my daughter's name put on it in case something happens to myself and my husband that we can, you know, she could take it over. Is any of that okay? Carol, we're going to get that answer for you and also make sure that we get your information in case we have to wrap up the show. So, Phil, Mimi, go ahead with Carol's answer, please. Phil, I'll let you. Uh, you know, he is great at math. Whiz. I'm running numbers. I'm running numbers. <laughs> you knew he would be. Right now. <laughs> He's over there calculating. All right. We're coming down to the and wire, Phil. Here we go. Th- here is the number that she needs to know. Principal interest taxes and insurance on a 180, 10% down her new monthly payment, principal and interest, is six fifty one. There would be mortgage insurance, so I would up that by about seventy dollars. You're at about seven hundred and twenty dollars a month, not including taxes and insurance, and if there's an HOA fee. Okay. I think that she said four eighty. Did you say four eighty or one eighty? I thought you said one eighty. One eighty. One eighty. I thought. Okay, I heard it wrong. <laughs> Well, Thank if you, you Carol. Would, hang on to the line, Carol. Phil can give you a, a jingle. Right. So that'll be great. So we'll follow up with Carol. I know that there's some other things that she had in that question. Right. Carol, thanks. And I'm sorry that we have to wrap up the show. How do we get a hold of you, Mimi? You uh, can always reach me, 651-578-2218. Phil? 651-238-6748 or phil at callphilolson.com. Would love to wish everybody, my my talkers, a wonderful holiday season and a happy new year. Happy new year and thanks for listening. Happy holidays. We appreciate you all and we will see you in 2021. Thanks everybody for listening to the Red Hot Real Estate Show.